The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hurry, hurry, hurry to Monday Matinee on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated G for general audience. Hi there, and welcome everyone to the Sonic Society, the world's largest showcase of modern audio drama. This is just a few days before Christmas as we have a full two episodes of the series, Charlie Saves Christmas. And I'm here with the co-host who saves all my holidays, David Alt. Good morning, David. Are you planning to be at home for Christmas or out with a family? Oh, family's coming here for Christmas and even more family for New Year, so it should be a lot of fun. Oh, that's offensive. How was your early ward Christmas? Oh, it was it was brilliant. It's always great to have everybody there. We start off with uh, early breakfast, although it was later this, as you know, this this time. And we open all our presents and we have a big full breakfast. And then we have uh, uh, a lot of chat and joking and music and song. And then we have a, a bit of a, a brunch and then we play board games and go for walks and then we come back and have a massive dinner so it's a it's a whole day affair we had a great time that sounds fantastic and uh for all yeah. of it being early or indeed late uh how are we doing for time oh we're a little tight for the holiday shows as always so because of that it's time for charlie saves christmas and it all begins right here on the sonic society Outside the tall building, the wind twisted and twirled as it hummed between the building crevices and whistled through the cracks along the window's edge as Charlotte, or Charlie as she preferred, looked out across the sprawling city. Bright lights streamed away as far as she could see, adding their dim hue to the chilly night scene spread before her. And as the night air brushed against the window, its pulsing caress made its own kind of music that lulled the young Charlie back into her bed and under the pile of covers that tried to keep her warm. And then... And again. And then... At the window. And again. Rubbing her weary eyes, she rolled toward the wall, 
willing the intrusive notes to go away. Oh, what could it be? Her apartment was so far up, even birds rarely came to visit. This time, she pushed the covers back and rolled herself upright in bed, swinging her legs over the side in one motion, letting her feet come to rest on the soft moss that grew thick at the foot of her bed. What? What? A small bird rested on her nightstand, pulling at the little necklace she had set there as she did every night. Oh, sorry, sorry there. Just, just, just need to borrow this, replied the little bird, who then picked the necklace up, and with a tremendous jump and furious flapping of wings for such a small thing, it managed to lift the necklace into the air while keeping itself aloft. It seemed as though its eye twinkled at her as it dipped and flipped about under the weight of the necklace as it flitted away through a forest of tall trees. Hey, stop! She cut herself off as her round eyes took in the sight before her and all around. Aunt Nani? Aunt Nani? Only the faint echo of her voice replied. Well, this is just a silly dream. She said with a firm nod, trying to convince herself, before diving back beneath the covers piled on her bed. I just need to wake up. Just wake up. This voice was not her own, and for a moment, she remained hidden beneath the pile of covers. Again. Just wake up. The voice repeated itself once, and then again. Just wake up. Just wake up. Up, just wake up. You don't need to keep saying it. Over and over, the strange little voice repeated the phrase, saying it in different ways until Charlie threw the covers back in frustration. Charlie's abrupt movement caused the little creature to skitter behind the small lamp that sat on the bedside table, where it then peered cautiously back at her. Go ahead, say it again. I dare you. Dare you. Dare you. Dare you? Dare you? Forgetting her unease, Charlie shuffled a little closer toward the nightstand while remaining on her bed. You're a funny little thing, aren't you? You're funny. You're funny. You're funny. The little creature replied from behind the lamp. With a sniff, Charlie decided to hop off the bed and onto the cool mossy ground. For just a moment, she wriggled her toes in the soft moss. But not very bright, apparently. Very bright. Very bright. Very bright. The little creature responded, moving itself to keep the lamp between them. Well, I suppose you don't know where we are, said Charlie as she surveyed the thick forest surrounding them. What a silly dream I'm having. Why, the next thing you know, the trees will be talking too. Oh, the trees don't talk, spoke another voice from directly behind her. It was so sudden in the silence that Charlie jumped a little as she spun around. In the act of doing so, she slipped on a smooth stone buried in the moss and abruptly fell down. Hmm. Not very bright, apparently, said the owner of the voice, which Charlie could now see clearly standing on its four legs behind her. The creature looked very much like a deer, but was lean with two long spiraling horns on the top of its head. Well then, go on and get up. Hopefully you're the last of the batch today, and I must say that I'm very glad you are not connected to this large thing. 
Saying this, the creature tapped the bed with a hooved leg. You are separate from this, aren't you? Charlie found herself at a loss for words, utterly shocked at the prospect of having a very real conversation with not one, but three animals in this increasingly silly dream of hers. Well, it's much too large to move. If you have need of your shell, you'll just have to come back for it. We can't be sitting out here all night long after all. And with that, the creature walked gracefully around the bed, passing Charlie as it headed down what appeared to be a faint path of moss that stretched deep into the wood. You can't just leave me! Charlie was a bit surprised by the emotion in her voice. All of this just seemed too real for a silly old dream. If you follow me, I won't be leaving you at all. If you decided to just sit there, well, I suppose you'll be on your own, replied the creature as it continued its slow plodding along the path into the forest without looking back. Why are you all so mean? muttered Charlie. But having no other choice, she picked herself off the ground, straightened the nightgown she had been wearing, and followed barefooted along the mossy trail. Just behind her followed the small little brown creature that looked very much like a chipmunk. As she turned her gaze to it, the creature looked up and offered, Very bright, in reply, before skittering into a clump of ferns along the path, where telltale rustling hinted at its whereabouts. Joan Williard Stewart, or Noni, as the children called her, was exhausted as she stooped over the pile of dishes from the evening meal. The small two-bedroom loft was stifling, even in the autumn chill, with a lack of functioning windows and poor air circulation in the building. There was no hope of getting maintenance to do anything with the place, as it was the last resort for struggling families situated on the outskirts of the city near the rail line. But she couldn't stop now. There were just a few minutes left before she would need to head down the hallway to the elevator to catch the train for the late cleaning shift in the city. She was happy for steady work, which was more than many could say in these lean times. Or at least, that's what she kept telling herself. Someday we'll get out of here, she whispered to no one in particular. At least Cassandra had been accepted into the boarding school for the arts and been awarded enough financing to stay on campus. She fervently wished there could have been another way to keep the girls together, but she just couldn't afford to care for them both, and this was too good an opportunity to pass up. But Charlotte would never forgive her. It was just she and Charlotte now, and Charlotte was entering the sixth grade. She was normally a sweet and active little girl, but once the semester started and her sister left, she closed herself off. Now, all that Joan got out of her was an angry frown. Janet, what would you do? She muttered with a shake of her head, the memories of her sister stirring deep feelings that she didn't need on her plate right now. Having finished the remaining dishes, she dried her hands on a towel, took one last look at Charlotte's closed bedroom door, and with a regretful knot in her throat, she exited the small flat locked the door behind her and began the long journey to work after leaving a note for Miss Oldmeyer in the flat across the hall. Stooping unnoticed near the maintenance closet down an adjoining hall, 
The chief maintenance technician fumbled through his tool bag before withdrawing the needle nose pliers. The blue rubber on the handle was nearly worn through, looking much like he felt. Keeping this old building working was fighting a losing battle. The super invested next to nothing in improvements, and it was all that Brian could do to keep the building up to code, especially with his maintenance team cut in half. The work wasn't glamorous, but it was steady. The people that found themselves here were generally of two types, the unlucky and the unsavory. Differentiating between the two wasn't always as straightforward as it should be, but here on the 43rd floor were a number of families, which is why he spent as much time as he could spare here. While he had no children of his own, surprisingly, he found the sound of kids around to be reassuring. With a final twist, he finished his work and offered a brief prayer that this patchwork would hold for a few more weeks. Then he lifted his tool bag, closed and locked the door, and made his way to the set of elevators just as they were closing. Jim going back to work, I'll bet. He mused aloud before clicking the down button on the console. That one was just unlucky. Go a step further, yelped Charlie as she stubbed her toe for the umpteenth time on yet another hidden route in this rapidly darkening forest. Great trees rose steeply on every side, creating a lofty canopy that entirely closed off what should have been the night sky. At the pronouncement, the agile creature that looked very much like an antelope paused before turning its head back to look at her with one great brown eye. You are free to do as you wish. But I would caution you that soft skins like you do not fare well in these woods at night. So you say, but I don't see anyone besides you and me, and... Charlie paused, noticing that the little burr that had stolen her necklace was settled on the top of a large and looping root and engaging in something of a tug-of-war with a small chipmunk. Hey there, give that back before you break it! Hey there! Hey there! Chittered the chipmunk as it tugged away at the silvery necklace. With its beak firmly clamped onto the other end of the necklace, the little yellow bird nevertheless managed to reply. I... I found it first. Well, neither of you can have it, insisted Charlie as she quickly stepped up to the pair and snagged the locket that was dangling about in the center of their tug-of-war. For a moment, both little creatures held on tightly, but apparently saw the danger of doing so and let her retrieve her necklace which Charlie immediately shoved into the pocket of her nightgown. Now look what you've done, Mift. Very bright, very bright. Yes, well, I hope you're happy. After a long stare, the larger creature turned its head back around and continued, plodding its way through the forest without another word. I'm not going anywhere, pouted Charlie as she sat herself down in the middle of the path, arms and legs crossed. I just need to wake up from this silly, silly dream. Very well. I would recommend that you not leave the path, but you seem to know what you are doing. Come along, you two. She doesn't need our help. With a titter and a chitter, the pair looked back at her for a moment before alternately springing and fluttering ahead until all three were out of sight. 
As the sound of their passage drifted away, a heavy hush fell over the forest, which seemed to grow even darker without the presence of the other creatures. And there, in the darkening wood, sat Charlie, alone once again as tears welled at the corners of her eyes. Another human child has arrived. Shall I collect this one as well? After a moment, the huge form of a white tiger padded soundlessly into the open space framed by eight massive stones. Each stone bore its own crudely shaped mark etched eons ago onto their inner facings. Perched atop a great stone slab that lay at the center of the enclosure, a giant blue heron continued its work making small, precise markings on a thin slab of slate with a large pointed crystal that was affixed to a toe on one taloned foot. Oh? A few moments passed with only the sound of the crystal against stone. Then, the heron settled the crystal taloned foot down before taking the slate into the other foot and offering it one-legged toward the massive tiger that sat framed in a single beam of moonlight. Take this! to the wolf pack. Again, the precise voice of the heron pierced the stillness of the space and echoed slightly from the great stones. I am no errand runner. You are what I say you are. And suddenly, with a crack of thunder, the whole of the space dimmed menacingly. Head bowed, the great cat took the slate gently into its teeth before turning, and with a low growl, it paced away into the darkness. Everything is in motion. Now, we must be very, very precise. With this, the great heron swiveled back to the center, lifting another slate from the stack that sat on the stone slab and once again picked up the crystal and began making short, precise strokes. Just wake up! Just wake up! Just wake up! Miffed, the little chipmunk-like creature was now hopping frantically from root to root in front of the slowly plodding antelope. I told you already that I will not put up with another spoiled, self-absorbed human child. Very bright. Very bright. Very bright. And why is it that you've suddenly taken an interest in human speak? But the larger creature drew to a pause, turning around in the middle of the path. If you insist, take your brother back with you and try to bring her along. I must go ahead, so do not be long. Meet me at the Great Stump before high time, no matter what. Just wake up. Just wake up. The smaller creature replied happily before bounding up the side of one of the trees and leaping at the small yellow finch. Hey, there, hey, you, careful, you nearly ruffled my feathers, miffed. Yelped the finch as it dashed up into the air just in time. Just wake up! Just wake up! Miffed responded as it bounded down the tree and back along the mossy trail. Oh, Miffed, what are you getting us into now? Twittered the bird before flitting off after the other. Before long, the pair found their way back along the trail to the spot where they had left the young human girl, but to their dismay, she was nowhere to be seen. Quickly sniffing about the impression she had left on the ground, the small chipmunk bounced this way and that before leaping off the trail, presumably following a set of tracks it had found. 
Miffed, don't... Don't you go far. You know this is a dangerous part of the wood. Miffed, I say, come back here before you get yourself into serious trouble. But the small creature had already bounded well out of sight. Oh, bother. Oh, bother. And she took the key with her, too. Adeline will not be pleased. Not pleased one bit. He noted while dipping and diving in the direction his young companion had just gone. Listen to me. State is voting to cut bag housing benefits again. We can't wait for that. This isn't a charity we're running, it's a business. Inform the residents. They pay or they leave. It's that simple. The deep voice rolled from across the heavy wooden desk in tones of near boredom. Sitting tall on the small wooden chair in front of the desk in his tidy but dated suit, Jonathan January or Jinx, as he was called, busied his hands with a closed briefcase in his lap. He hated this part of the job. Lately, it seemed like rent was increasing at a highly unusual pace, and he was aware of no government action as a likely cause. But arguing with Mr. Kettle was an ill-informed notion. The man was not only large and prone to violence, but he owned everything in the eastern flats of the city, including the police. Uh, yes, sir. Will that be all, sir? Where are my manners, Jinx? How are the kids these days? Sorry in school by now, aren't they? <laughs> well, actually... Of course they are. And you're a busy fellow. Oh, I saw your wife the other day out shopping. Must be doing well over at the agency, huh, Jinx? Jinx shuddered inside. Nothing escaped Kettle's notice, and the sheer amount of detailed intelligence he held on the people within the flats was shocking, if not amazing. Jinx often wondered how Kettle did it, but knew precisely why he did it. For the why was one of Kettle's favorite phrases, which Large Man was even now repeating. A man needs to keep all the details in front of him if he's to accomplish anything. Isn't that right, Jinx? Yes. <laughs> With a laugh, the large man threw his feet onto the desk and sat back, lifting a folder stuffed with papers from the top of the desk and beginning to paw through them. Jinx knew that this was the end of the meeting, so he stood quietly, clutching his briefcase and headed out the door. Just as he was about to exit the room, Mr. Kettle's voice rose from behind the folder of papers. You should... Take care that your wife doesn't spend too much. You never know when hard times will come. <laughs> Jinx hastened his steps out of the first floor office space into the lobby of Building 14, just in time to see the familiar shape of one of the newer residents. Miss Williard Stewart, he thought with satisfaction as she made her way out into the night. Yes, perhaps details were useful after all. (laughs) 
The part of Charlie is voiced by Jolene Fresquez from Dice Tower Theater. Salazar the Yellow Finch is voiced by Brad Zimmerman from the Gigantic Adventures of Jeff and Simon. Mift the Chipmunk is also voiced by Brad Zimmerman from the Gigantic Adventures of Jeff and Simon. Adeline the Antelope is voiced by Alexandria Young-Ray from Pomegranates and Pitchforks. Marvelous the White Tiger is voiced by Mike Atchley from Dice Tower Theater. Millicent the Great Blue Heron is voiced by Carrie Coelho from Elderberry Tales. Joan Williard Stewart, Charlie's aunt, is voiced by Nikki Richardson from Top of the Round. Brian Burke, the maintenance chief, is voiced by Jordash Richardson from Top of the Round. Jinx January, the building manager, is voiced by Kenneth Eccles from Podcast Reviews, Reviews Podcast. Mr. Kettle, the landlord, is voiced by Mike Atchley from Dice Tower Theater. Jeremy, a fruit bat, is voiced by Daniel Nichols from the Happy Go Lucky Podcast. Old Pete, the Kakapa, is voiced by Sean Yates from Kid Cryptid. Crafton, the Kia, is voiced by Kenny from Unnecessary Evil. Ferris, the Wolf, is voiced by Carrie Coelho from Elderberry Tales. Miss Fillmore, the child services worker, is voiced by Alexandria Young-Ray from Pomegranates and Pitchforks. Miss Oldmeyer, the caregiver, is voiced by Bob Anit from the Drive With Us podcast. Rupert Kersman is voiced by Jordash Richardson from Top of the Round. The Stone Lieutenant is voiced by Nikki Richardson from Top of the Round. Charlie Saves Christmas is an original story written, produced, and narrated by Daniel Nichols from the Happy Go Lucky podcast and is made possible by our patrons and the support of our listening audience and the tremendous voice talent of our many podcasting creators and friends. Please join us in applauding the tremendous talent of these wonderful friends and creators and be sure to discover a whole new range of fantastic content as you explore each of their podcasts and creative endeavors. Thank you for listening and subscribing. For more information about this story and other productions of the Happy Go Lucky podcast, visit us online at happygolucky.com. Lucky is spelled L-U-K-K-Y. From all of us at the Happy Go Lucky podcast, we wish you a very Merry Christmas and a wonderful holiday season. Dice Tower Theater's Dawn of Dragons, a unique narrated audio drama based around a basement tabletop role-playing game. Six children grow up in the dawning epicenter of a new war. Two brothers, Benedict the Pious and Careful, and Zane the Carefree, are joined by their younger cousin Cordelia, the blacksmith and seamstress's daughter, their friends Zoran, the son of the local justice, and Sophie the abandoned sister of a young and beautiful sword for hire, accompanied them on this journey. Sword sorcery and adventure await to engage the listener along the way in our 20 minutes or less episodes. We hope you enjoy Dice Tower Theater's Dawn of Dragons, a proud member of the family-friendly Patagon Go Network. <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I was just thinking. Thank you.
The strange glowing light pulsed just beyond the moss-covered trail, as if waiting for young Charlie to take notice. After a few moments, Curiosity pushed the tears away, and with a final wipe of her nightgown sleeve, Charlie pushed herself up from the ground, facing the pulsing light. More funny little things in this silly dream of mine. So, what are you then? Do you talk? Charlie paused a moment, waiting for the light to do something. And when it did nothing, she took a step toward it. The feel of the cool, muddy ground was very different from the soft moss. As the tip of her nightgown brushed the mud from just off of the trail, it stained along the hem, at which she frowned. Aunt Nani will not like me getting this dirty. Not at all. In so saying, she hiked the nightgown up and made small knots on each end at the hem to shorten the length a bit. There. That should do, she commented, to no one in particular as she surveyed her work. Yet, as her eyes drifted back up to the light, she noted that it had moved just a bit further away from her. So, are you tricking me or helping me? Charlie asked, but the pulsing light gave no response. With a huff, Charlie took another step off of the trail and then another slowly sinking into the soft, muddy ground. It felt cool and squishy between her toes, but seemed firm enough that only her feet were covered. Then, without a second moment of hesitation, she set off after the pulsing light, which continued to keep an even pace between them while shifting its direction slightly every once in a while to direct their course through the gnarled roots of the dense forest. After a bit, Charlie grew bored of the quiet and tried to strike up a conversation with a glowing light. You know, I have an older sister. Yes, her name is Cassie. She's an artist. Did you know that she just went away to a fancy art school? Nani says it's the best thing for her, and that all of us have to grow up now. Nothing but the sound of soft footfalls in the mud and Charlie's voice could be heard as she and the orb of light continued to make their way deeper into the wood. My name is Charlie. Do you have a name? Well, actually it's Charlotte, but everybody calls me Charlie. You can call me Charlie too, I suppose. For a moment, Charlie paused in her monologue. Well, I have to call you something. How about Lux? She smiled at her own cleverness. Lux being the Latin word for light, which she had learned from her sister just before Cassie had gone away to boarding school. For a moment, she idly fingered the small necklace in her pocket and the small star-shaped locket in the center that held the tiniest photo of her sister. The memories were so strong that she barely noticed the small light stopping in front of her as it merged with a tiny necklace that rested on the neck of an odd parrot-looking bird that eyed her with a cocked head. Oh! she exclaimed as she too came to a stop in the slurping mud. Well, what have we here? I wondered how this thing would work. I send it out and it brings me back. You. Charlie was only slightly less startled that this creature could also talk. 
but could think of very little to say and so merely blurted out, I'm Charlie! Who are you and why are you in my dream? The large Kia straightened its head slowly and fluffed its wings as it settled into a more comfortable position on the low-hanging branch. Why, hello, Charlie. My name is Crafton, and yes, this is a very silly dream, isn't it? Perhaps you should just go back to sleep and wake up at home in your warm bed. The bird's eyes were so mesmerizing that Charlie found her head feeling very light, and in spite of herself, she yawned and rubbed her eyes. I'm just in a dream. Yes, yes. I should have just stayed in my bed. Charlie replied in mid-yawn. There, there, little girl. Just settled down on the ground. Really, you are just in your bed at home. Go back to sleep. Before you know it, everything will be back the way it was. The bird's voice drifted off in her mind as Charlie settled herself on the muddy floor of the forest soaking her nightgown with the dark coloring of the odd forest earth as she did. In a few moments, the little girl was sound asleep on the forest floor, and so Crafton released his use of the pendant that hung around his neck. After a moment, he hopped down from the branch and walked his way stiffly over to the girl, nudging her with his strong beak before nosing into her pocket and withdrawing the small necklace she had been hiding there. With a deft flip of his head, he wrapped her necklace around his own neck, and with a great lunge, slapped himself back up to his previous perch. Like taking candy from a baby, he cackled. Well, go on and bring her, he called out to the dark wood. I certainly can't lug something that large about. Why the old hag wants a silly little girl is beyond me. A lot of useless whimpering and simpering. As the large, predatory bird continued its monologue, four dark shapes moved silently out of the darkness toward the sleeping form of Charlie. Their hardened shells glistened in the faint moonlight as two aligned themselves on either side of the girl, tilting their shells to the earth and shoveling her onto their backs. Then, stepping in unison with the girl atop, the giant tortoises moved the sleeping Charlie yet deeper into the wood. With that... The large alpine parrot lifted itself off of the branch and flew off expertly between the large branches of the forest, and all grew quiet once again. Joan grabbed her personal supplies as she exited the company van that dropped each of the night crew at their various locations. Tonight, Joan had been assigned to one of her favorite places, the large department store at the center of the city's retail district. The chill air gripped her as she exited the warm confines of the vehicle, but it was only a few moments walk to the rear door, where she swiped her entry key and was admitted with a buzz. Walking quickly through the back corridor to the supply cabinet, Joan grabbed the cleaning cart and began to push it to the elevator to the third floor, which was outlined in bright yellow and marked Children's. The children's section was always a mess, but it was somehow a reassuring mess. Children always managed to add something new to every little mess they made. 
Well, let's see what you have for me tonight. Joe mused as she pushed her cart off of the elevator and into the brightly colored spaces. Toys to the right, babies to the left, and girls and boys straight ahead. In large empty spaces like these, Joan found it more comforting to maintain her own little dialogue, usually drowned out by the high-pitched hum of the sweeper as she made her way from section to section. The holidays are here already? Joan mused to herself as her eyes lifted from her work to catch the newly placed ribbons, bows, and bells hanging from the ceiling over the nearest register. And there they were, red winter boots with light gray changeable stocking slips and a pristine white faux fur edging highlighted by a dangling pair of tiny golden bells. Charlie would love this, she noted as she switched the vacuum off and made her way over to the display for a closer inspection. Then you should get them for her. The voice was so sudden and unexpected that Joan nearly jumped out of her skin. But with great control, she managed to contain her shock and turned slowly to the voice without hinting at her surprise. Oh, I'm sorry, continued the voice, which Joan could now see belonged to an elderly man with a scruffy gray beard and a twinkle in his eyes. Didn't mean to frighten you like that. I'm just finishing the displays up. Shopping season is upon us now. He smiled broadly at her as he bent to pick up a sack full of ornaments and supplies. Oh, I didn't expect anyone to be around this late. Those... Boots just caught my eyes all. She shrugged as she began to wind the long cord. Well, they're right cheerful, they are. You should get them for Charlie, was it? If you like them, of course. No, no. Those are out of our price range, I'm sure. Perhaps after the season, there'll be a size left. She commented, lifting the vacuum back onto the cleaning cart. Well, I'll finish here for now. It was... Very nice to meet you, and it's a very pretty display you've made. Continued Joan as she turned to move away. Well, you have a good evening, ma'am. I'll be around the next week or so. Wouldn't want to surprise you twice. The name's Rupert, by the way. Kurtzman. Have a good night, and really, one meaningful gift is worth more than a sack full without. Shrugged the old man as he hefted his sack and moved off toward the toy section. I suppose it is. She replied without offering her own name in return. In a moment, she gathered her supplies into the cart and returned to the elevator. One more floor and her work for the evening would be done. Still, the image of the boots remained. Just wake up. Just wake up. Repeated the small chipmunk as it sniffed and scampered around the forest floor where Charlie had recently lain. Yes, yes, I know. It, it, it looks like an entire army came through here. Noted the finch, who was busily hopping about from branch to branch, tilting its head this way and that. And, and these marks, a very large bird made these, no mistake. It twittered as it hopped across the branch where the kia had perched itself. I'm afraid this is very bad news, very bad news indeed. Very bright, very bright, replied Mift from the ground before jumping toward the obviously trampled path that led deeper into the wood. Nift, we need help. Better to return to Adeline, I say. But of course, you won't listen, will you? Very bright. Very bright. Very bright. Replied the voice, each further away than the last. <sighs> you don't have any idea what you're saying, do you? Very bright. I thought not. 
twittered the finch as it took flight and dipped and dove after its friend. The pair continued their hunt, following the trail for quite some time until they heard noises ahead, in which both drew up quietly on a low-hanging limb, looking cautiously at one another and straining to see through the thick undergrowth in the dark forest shadows. You found her so soon. You are resourceful, aren't you? A great blue heron stood solemnly in the center of a small clearing that lay just outside a circle of towering stones. A plume of gray-blue feathers arched up and away from its head. Regal neck curved just slightly, and sharp orange beak swishing back and forth as it spoke. You have what you want now, the star. Where can I find it? The speaker could not be seen from their hidden vantage point, but this could only be the large bird that ensnared the young human child. Tisk tisk, straight to business you outworlders always are. My guide will take you and your friend there, never fear. But first, perhaps you would consider one more favor for me. I have done what you've asked. I've had enough of your petty little quests. Show me this guide of yours and get some other underling to handle your dirty work. Very well, but you realize you are merely doing the bidding of someone else. I was going to offer you something that you yourself could use. The heron turned and began its stiff-legged walk back toward the opening of the stone circle. Let's not call me unreasonable. What, uh... What is it that you're talking about? In a sudden flurry, the brush in front of them swished violently aside as the face of a giant white tiger peered through. Rows of sharpened teeth glinting dully in the night as a low growl echoed from its chest. Only instinct saved the pair as they fluttered and flipped just to the far side of the tree where they clung like stone to the mark. What is it, Marvelous? The hidden speaker asked with curiosity. The tiger made a great sniff of the air before deciding to withdraw back into the clearing. We're being watched. We should be off. Just a moment. I'd like to hear this proposal. Replied the voice again. Then a great fluttering as the green bird plunged to the ground and followed the heron into the stone grotto. Don't you have an errand to run, Marvelous? The voice of the great heron drifted back to the large white tiger, who pawed his way back to the slate tablet it had momentarily rested on the ground. Taking it again into its mouth, the large cat padded soundlessly into the wood. When all was quiet again, the finch and chipmunk skipped and flitted away as quickly as possible. This was news that must reach Adeline and swiftly. The human would have to take care of itself for the moment. Charlie awoke in darkness, her once pretty nightgown now sticky and wet. 
She was cold and the ground was hard. Her hands were bound and her eyes and mouth were covered with something that smelled old and musty. It was a nightmare. It was awful. And no matter what she did, she could not make it go away. After a moment of thrashing about, however, the constraints seemed to loosen. They felt pulpy like vines around her hands, and with some more careful movement she managed to get her hands free, allowing her to remove the damp and stinky cloth from her face. She sat up in total darkness, feeling smooth wet rock beneath her and not very far from her seated head. Carefully she tried to stand but found the ceiling was much too low for that. Hello? 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 Her voice echoed against the hard rock. She had never been in a cave before, but had seen a video about a cave rescue in class. This must be what that felt like. Involuntarily she shuddered, but she knew that she needed to do something. Well, if this silly dream is not going to come to an end by itself, then I suppose I'll have to do something about it. Why, yes, you will, my dear. Ah! This time she did shriek and jump and hit her head and cry out from the pain of that and then just started to cry. <laughs> as she huddled with her arms wrapped about her legs in the pitch darkness. Oh, my dear, please, I didn't mean to frighten you. I have been here all along, tied up next to you. I thought, I thought that you had seen me clearly, replied the voice after her sobbing began to subside. Listen, I too am captive, but you have found a way to get free. How, how can you possibly see me? Queried Charlie as she bravely choked in the remainder of her sobs. It's too dark in here. Oh, oh yes, very silly of me, of course. I cannot see anything, my dear, for I am blind replied the creature from somewhere to her left. Well, that doesn't make any sense. If you are blind and it's completely dark, then how could you possibly see me? Well, my dear, you're not the quietest of creatures. You make a lot of noise. And well, noise helps me to see, responded the creature, who now made a few shuffling movements of its own. It suddenly dawned on Charlie that there was only one creature she had learned about that could use sound to see. You're a bat! She shrieked as she shuffled herself away from the sound of the creature's voice. With a sigh, the creature seemed to slump, its voice now holding a hint of sadness. Yes, yes, everyone is frightened of the bat. I do not know why. It would never hurt you. That's of course you're a juicy piece of fruit, but I can tell that, that you're not, so, so no. B but listen, we can help each other, no? I, I can see, a and you can help to set me free. If you do that, uh, I can lead you out of this cave before the others they return. Struggling to control her breathing, young Charlie took several large breaths before responding. Then, she remembered something from her science class about bats. But I thought that bats were not blind, that they could see very well. Ah, well, that is, unfortunately, a very sad story. 
I would be glad to tell you someday, but perhaps we could get out of this place first? Creature responded encouragingly. Okay, okay. If you are tied up like you say, I suppose that you can't be one of the bad ones. This she said while slowly making her way back toward the voice. If you try to hurt me, I will hurt you back. Oh, no, 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 no. Jeremy only keeps his promises. Do not worry. I will help you and we will become good friends. After a few more careful shuffles along the ground, Charlie reached out a tenuous hand, which touched soft, warm fur. Your fur is so soft. Charlie commented offhand as her hands worked their way down his back between his wings, which were pinned tightly to a cord of knotted vine that seemed to wrap him entirely. But of course, all bats pride ourselves in maintaining a clean and professional appearance. Just just because we work the night shift does not mean that we must be stinky and dirty. Oh, I'm sorry. I guess I don't know very much about bats at all noted Charlie as she began to tug at the vines until she found one that was not as tight as the others. No, no you do not. But but it is okay. We bats are used to these things. People often make judgments about others that uh, look or sound or act differently than they do. Yes, you are right. Cassie used to say the same thing to me all the time. For a moment, they sat in silence. Charlie continued to work to free Jeremy from the tangle of vines, and after a few moments, bonds became loose and slid to the ground. Ah, yes. Ah, that feels so good. Now if only I had a juicy orange, this would be a perfect day. (laughs) In spite of herself, Charlie laughed, something she had not done since arriving here. Okay, now how do we get out of here? Aha! Now, Jeremy will save you. Just like you saved Jeremy. Come, we must go deeper into the cave in order to avoid the entrance you came in. That way will only result in our capture once again. With that, the pair began a slow and careful crawl deeper into the cave, with Jeremy offering soft warnings or advice about the terrain ahead from time to time. Part of Charlie is voiced by Jolene Fresquez from Dice Tower Theater. Salazar the Yellow Finch is voiced by Brad Zimmerman from the Gigantic Adventures of Jeff and Simon. Mift the Chipmunk is also voiced by Brad Zimmerman from the Gigantic Adventures of Jeff and Simon. Adeline the Antelope is voiced by Alexandria Young Ray from Pomegranates and Pitchforks. Marvelous the White Tiger is voiced by Mike Ashley from Dice Tower Theater. Millicent, the Great Blue Heron, is voiced by Carrie Coelho from Elderberry Tales. Joan Williard Stewart, Charlie's aunt, is voiced by Nikki Richardson from Top of the Round. Brian Burke, the Maintenance Chief, is voiced by Jordash Richardson from Top of the Round. Jinx January, the Building Manager, is voiced by Kenneth Eccles from Podcast Reviews, Reviews Podcast. 
Mr. Kettle, the landlord, is voiced by Mike Atchley from Dice Tower Theater. Jeremy, a fruit bat, is voiced by Daniel Nichols from the Happy Go Lucky podcast. Old Pete, the Kakapa, is voiced by Sean Yates from Kid Cryptid. Crafton, the Kia, is voiced by Kenny from A Necessary Evil. Ferris, the Wolf, is voiced by Carrie Coelho from Elderberry Tales. Miss Fillmore, the child services worker, is voiced by Alexandria Young Ray from Pomegranates and Pitchforks. Miss Oldmeyer, the caregiver, is voiced by Bob Anit from the Drive With Us podcast. Rupert Kersman is voiced by Jordash Richardson from Top of the Round. The Stone Lieutenant is voiced by Nikki Richardson from Top of the Round. Charlie Saves Christmas is an original story written, produced, and narrated by Daniel Nichols from the Happy-Go-Lucky Podcast and is made possible by our patrons and the support of our listening audience and the tremendous voice talent of our many podcasting creators and friends. Please join us in applauding the tremendous talent of these wonderful friends and creators and be sure to discover a whole new range of fantastic content as you explore each of their podcasts and creative endeavors. Thank you for listening and subscribing. For more information about this story and other productions of the Happy Go Lucky podcast, visit us online at happygolucky.com. Lucky is spelled L-U-K-K-Y. From all of us at the Happy Go Lucky podcast, we wish you a very Merry Christmas and a wonderful holiday season. Welcome to Elderberry Tales. Grab your favorite pillow and a curious heart. It's time for a story. Elderberry Tales is a storytelling podcast featuring inspiring and engaging stories for kids. Ancient wisdom, timeless tales, and contemporary heroes. Connect with us on Facebook and Instagram and listen on your favorite podcast player. And that's this week's Sonic Society. Be with us next week for another seasonal story and one more chance to see you all before 2020. Yes, the end of the decade and the start of a new one. Mm. Have a happy Christmas and a wonderful season. I'm David Alt, And I'm Jack Ward. Happy holidays, everyone. Merry Christmas. Sonic Society is written and produced weekly by Jack J. Ward and David Alt, with original music by Sharon B. at SharonB.com. All features, interviews, and audio drama shorts are owned completely by their originators and provided to the Sonic Society by Creative Commons Licensing. The Society itself originates from Halifax, Nova Scotia, Canada. Thanks for listening. This has been an Electric Vicuna production.
If you produce audio dramas, it obviously isn't to become rich and famous. You love the medium, and you want to share your passion for theater of the mind. The Mutual Audio Drama Network is looking for you. Mutual presents audio dramas every day of the week, each with its own genre. Mystery, sci-fi, comedy, horror, all reaches of the imagination. It doesn't matter if you produced your shows years ago or are still cranking them out. Share them on the world's largest collection of modern audio drama and audio fiction. Give a listen at MutualAudioNetwork.com. And if you'd like to be a part of the excitement, with free access to all sorts of voices, sound effects, music, and more, just drop a line to mutualaudio at gmail.com. The Mutual Audio Drama Network. Why not join us today?